welcome to everyone. Uh, we, we welcome everybody, and we welcome our guests especially. Uh, we're glad that you're here and, and hope you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets this morning. Uh, we, if you would take those and uh, fill them out for us and uh, give us the information you feel comfortable giving to us and pass them down the road, we would certainly appreciate that. And uh, just a few things I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, we had a great day on Tuesday with our, our fall festival. We, it was a wonderful time. A lot of a lot of people, I think we had somewhere between three and 400 people here uh, eating chili and hot dogs and dressed up in their costumes. And uh, it was a great time. So thank you to everyone who uh, had a part in that. I know it takes a lot of hands and a lot of uh, energy to pull, pull that together. Thanks, Lana, for, for uh, doing all the all the uh, the prep work and the, getting the volunteers for our food distribution and Kim and Teresa for our games and everybody else who had a part of it. So thank you so much. Uh, uh, you, you make that easy for us. We also had a great day yesterday with our hoops and cheers. So thank you, everybody, who have a part of that. We've got a couple of more weeks uh, involved with that. But coming up, we have a few things. Next week, we have a baby shower for Aaron and and, uh, and Evan, and so you're invited to that. Uh, we are also we will also be having our deacon election soon, and uh, as we usually do, if you would if you do not want to be considered as a deacon, please strike your name off of the list on the table uh, so we don't waste a vote on you if you're not going to take it. Um, so uh, if you would do that, we would appreciate it. Uh, we will be playing volleyball tonight at six, and uh, coming up also on November the nineteenth, um, uh, our community, the ministerial. Association in our, in our community every year um, hosts the the uh, annual community Thanksgiving service, and we kind of move it around from church to church. And we are hosting it this year, and so that'll be on November the 19th. That's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So put that on your calendar, and I think we're going to have some special music and some uh, some some words. I, I, it will be at seven o'clock. Isn't that right? Yes. Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. I have to check with the leader here. With pie. Huh? With pie. Yeah. What we we've been doing this past couple of years, and we found it to be very successful, is that every church kicks in about three or four pies, and so we haven't kicked that in for for us yet. So if you like to kick kick in a pie here, let us know. And and uh, but we always have plenty of pie. It's been really good. But uh, we'll have a little have the service and then fellowship afterwards, and uh, it's always a good time. So. Uh, We'll be looking forward to that. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's share the love of Christ with one another.
Let us pray together. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Gracious God, You are holy. And because You are holy, we seek to be holy too. We seek to find those places where we shy away from the challenges of growth. Where we hide from our responsibilities. Where we live in denial and protect ourselves from disappointment. When we live in a world where things like that are inevitable. So we help you. We, we pray to you, O oh God, and, to, and we ask you to help us to be holy. And help us to be bold in your name. Allow us to live not in fear, O God, but allow us to acknowledge our fear as we focus our attentions and our our efforts on serving you and serving our neighbor. For all that we do that benefits your children also glorifies you. And O God, we pray for an authentic kind of faith. Not a faith that merely gives a nod to, uh, to you on some Sunday mornings, but a faith that we live out all throughout our week. We pray for, for a faith that will empower us to seek you always. We pray for a faith that will empower us to give us energy, to love our neighbors the best that we can with the gifts that you have given to us. And we know that you've already given us the resources that we need to, to serve you in different ways. But sometimes we're either unsure or unwilling to put those resources to their proper use. So help us to be courageous. Help us to grow in a faith that will lead us to be faithful servants, not merely faithful believers. And we pray all of these things in the name of the object of our faith, the one who gives us direction and energy to live out that faith every day. Jesus, the Christ, our Lord, and our friend. Amen.
children, come on down for our children's moment. <laughs> by Cynthia Ryland. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved over the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. <laughs> and God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. God let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And God called the dry land earth and the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the fruit tree yielding fruit whose seed is in itself. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And God created the great wells. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. God created every living creature that moved. The beast is... The birds... And the creeping things, and it was good. God then made man and woman, and God said to them, Replenish, replenish the earth so that everything may multiply and be fruitful. He blessed them, these two who were most like him. And when the and when the evening and the morning of the sixth day had passed, God was done with his work. He looked at everything he had created and made, and behold, it was very good. Soon on the seventh day, he rested. The end. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
generous God, we wake up each morning with your gifts piled high in front of us. A warm bed with a roof over our head and food in the fridge. A loving family in the company of good friends. Colors of autumn. The voices of children reading your word. The resources to offer hope to those who feel hopeless. The talents to offer help to those who just need a hand. The places to find peace and joy to those who have known grief and sorrow. And most of all, God, the assurance that you are with us every step of the way. Giving God, thank you for the opportunities to be your hands of comfort, your voice of justice, your heart of love. You give us so much. May we take what you have given us and use it to change the world. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. morning our scripture today is taken from Matthew chapter 23 1 through 12 then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses's seat therefore do whatever they teach you and follow it but do not do as they do for they do not practice what they teach 
They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with the respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your, will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord.
Thank you so much. Excuse me. Got a cough today, sorry. I was interrupting the choir. We thought you were singing with us. If I was singing with you, it was off key, I'll tell you that. I'm sorry about that. Um, but thank you, choir, for what a what a, a beautiful song and and Jika and Brianna. Thank you so much for your your talents there. We appreciate the the message and music that you bring to us each week. Uh, best best selling author and Bible study leader Liz Curtis Higgs tells about a lady named May who confessed to doing something one one time that was very embarrassing to her. She says that a few years ago she invited a uh, she and her husband invited a couple to come to their house for dinner one evening, and the couple brought a pot of tulips as a gift. And she says that the tulips, they were, they, were, they were nice. They weren't particularly pretty, but they were in a pot, and the flowers were sticking up out of the soil. But they were, these were friends that they saw quite often, and so May wanted to take care of these tulips simply because they were from them. And so she nurtured this plant. She watered it faithfully. She fed it plant food. She set it outside in the springtime and brought it back inside. Whoops. This is going to be one of those days, isn't it? She brought it back inside before the, the first frost. And she says she just couldn't throw it away as long as it was blooming. And, and then one afternoon, after about two years, her youngest son absentmindedly reached over and rubbed the, the petals on the tulip. And May said, don't touch those, honey. It might cause spots on the petals. And she was stunned by his reply. He said, Mom, this plant isn't real. <laughs> And sure enough, he was right. For two years, May had been lovingly and faithfully nurturing a silk plant. It did seem exceptionally hardy, she says. Well, of course it was hardy. It wasn't real. But have you noticed that sometimes that which is, which is false has a hardier life than that which is real? Have you ever noticed that? Why do you think fake news is such a big deal these days? We've been hearing a lot about Russia and others planting fake news items to sway public opinion. And why do you think they've been so successful in doing that? It's because some people are remarkably gullible. And sometimes the people who are pushing the fake news items are remarkably expert. It works. Years ago, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in Amsterdam conducted a little experiment. They put some of their priceless originals next to copies of those same paintings, and they held a contest to see how many visitors could tell the difference between the original and the fake. And of the of eighteen hundred and twenty seven people who took part in this experiment, eighteen hundred and twenty seven people took part in this. Of those eighteen twenty seven, only seven people were able to tell the genuines from the fakes. 
And that's a big part of the problem because you see, some folks, some of those folks who purvey falsehoods are really good at it. And why not? It's very profitable to take advantage of people. Ask any good con man or con woman. And of course, even nice people will fake it till they make it, right? You've heard that before. Billy Graham used to tell a story about a family who lived in South Carolina, went to New York City for vacation, and they told all of their friends that they were going to attend the Broadway musical My Fair Lady. And this was back in the day when My Fair Lady was was a sensational newcomer on Broadway. And, and they were so excited about this, and they were proud of this, and everybody was was really impressed because nobody else in their hometown had ever been to a Broadway play before. And then the day arrived, and they, they got to New York, and they took a taxi to the theater. But to their dismay, they found that the play was completely sold out. Well, they were terribly disappointed, and they were also embarrassed because they built this up so much among their friends back home, and, and they didn't want to have to go back home and tell all their friends that they had missed the highlight of their trip. And so they decided to do the next best thing. They picked up a couple of discarded tickets. They bought a program. They bought the musical tapes. And they went home singing, I could have danced all night. And they told everybody that they knew that they had gone to see my fair lady. Well, at least they had made an effort. Some people are deceptive right from the very beginning, aren't they? And this brings us to one of Jesus' harshest criticisms of the Pharisees. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, said Jesus. So you must be careful to do everything that they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. And just as a reminder, phylacteries, that's a word you throw out there every day, right? Just a reminder, phylacteries were those little boxes and they contained pieces of Scripture and and Orthodox Jews will wear them on their foreheads or or on their arms uh, as a way to display their piety. And the true purpose of these phylacteries and, and the fringes on their garments was to keep the faithful Jew ever mindful of the laws of God and to assist them in their in their prayer. It's kind of like a rosary. But according to Jesus, the scribes and the Pharisees had turned these things, the phylacteries and the fringes and the fringes on their garments, they had turned these things not as a way to help them in their spiritual lives, but had turned them into fashion statements. It's kind of like a contemporary Christian wearing a two-pound cross around his neck and sporting a bumper sticker that reads, My God is alive. Sorry about yours. <laughs> and the question that practices like that raise is this. Is it really faith? 
Or is it flesh? Now, Jesus was not saying that the Pharisees were bad people. Actually, by the standards of the day, they were some of the best people in town. But what Jesus was saying was that some people like to put on a show of their religion when it's not necessarily authentic. So don't be taken in. And one of the reasons that I'm such a a stickler for the separation of church and state is what has taken place within the evangelical Christian community over the past few decades. In its effort to have a voice at the political table, evangelical Christianity has found itself time after time again turning its back on the principles that it claims to hold dear in favor of a position of political power and influence. And you can kind of understand that, can't you? I mean, it can get kind of heady to be included in among the movers and shakers of the world. Well, in the same way, Jesus was saying that the pride of position was more important to the Pharisees than service to the people. Appearances were more important to them than authenticity. Now, obviously, the Pharisees are not the only people who have, who have given in to this temptation to put on appearances. fact is that many people are into, more into appearances than authenticity. And sometimes it's hard to tell, isn't it? I heard about a, a young man who worked in an, an investment house, and he was about to become a father for the very first time. And he, and he was really impressed and, and appreciative also of the interest that his business colleagues took in the news that his wife was going to be having a baby. And so every day or so, one or more of, of his colleagues would drop by his desk and ask, How's the wife doing? What does the doctor say? Any news yet? Many more days to come? And he was almost overwhelmed at his colleague's interest and his family's well-being. But then the truth came out. You see, he discovered that the real reason his colleagues were so interested in the progress of his child's development was that they had started an office pool on when the baby would be born. And every one of his colleagues had placed a bet on when the happy occasion would arrive. And and so all of their interest in his family affairs was really no more than a greedy desire to win an office pool. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you've ever faked interest in someone because it was good business or just the courteous thing to do. All of us are guilty of it. One time or another. All of us are guilty of some hypocrisy in our lives. I got a chuckle from an ad that appeared in a small college town newspaper during the days just before the annual parents weekend at the college. The ad was sponsored by a tavern that was frequented by college students. And the ad read, bring your parents for lunch on Saturday. We'll pretend we don't know you. (laughs) Pretty shrewd, huh? 
But the ad was soon challenged by the college chaplain who posted his version of the ad on the on the uh, the, the campus bulletin board. It read, "Bring your parents to chapel on Sunday. We'll pretend we do know you." <laughs> Appearances versus authenticity. It's pretty rampant in our society, isn't it? And by the way, have you checked the labels of your grocery items lately? If you haven't, you may be in for a surprise. Because according to U.S. News and World Report, some manufacturers are selling selling us the, the same size packages that we're used to buying, but they're putting less product in them. For example, a well-known laundry detergent that once held 61 ounces of detergent now only contains 55 ounces. Same box, same detergent, just less of it. The point is that how something is wrapped doesn't necessarily show us what's on the inside. And that's true with people as well as with boxes of of detergent. The Pharisees whom Jesus criticized were into appearances rather than authenticity. And on this point, Jesus was the very opposite from the Pharisees. You see, Jesus was not really concerned with the way things appear on the outside. He was more concerned with what is in the heart. Dr. Ed Young tells about a friend of his when he was a young man. His friend's name was Walter Carroll. seems that Walter was an atheist. He's a good guy, but he didn't believe in God. And one afternoon, Ed says that his friend Walter looked at him and he said, Eddie, do you, do you believe there's a God? And Ed said, sure, Walter, I believe there's a God. And Walter said, you don't live like it. And Ed said, what do you mean? Walter said, you live just like I do. And I'm an atheist. I don't believe that there's a God, and I live like there's no God, and we're buddies, and you do everything that I do, and you say that there's a God, and yet you don't live like there's a God. He said, don't you have enough sense to know that if there is a God, and if you can get to know God and live the way that God wants you to live, then that's the most important thing in life? And Ed said, that's the greatest sermon I ever heard. God used the mouth of an atheist, and and he said, I'll never forget it. I couldn't answer him. He said, I went back to my room, and I dropped down on my knees, and I said, Lord, I know you're there, and I believe Jesus is your son, and I've gotten away from that. I've gotten away from my background when I left home, and I'm sorry for that. Just lead me, Lord. I'm yours. Some of you have probably been there, haven't you? There was a time when the way you lived was not in accordance with, with what you said you believed. You lived more in tune with the crowd than with the cross. And that happens. We say something with our lips, but our hearts are somewhere else. We do something because everybody else is doing it, but, but it goes against everything that we know about God. 
We support a cause because it's in my best interest. But when we stop to think about it, it betrays the teachings of Jesus. My friends, let me tell you something. The most effective witness that we can make to our faith in Jesus Christ is to simply live out what we say we believe. And that doesn't mean that we have to be religious fanatics. It simply means that we need to be real. It means that we need to... That we need to live not as fans of Jesus, but as followers of Jesus. Radio teacher and author Chuck Swindle says that out of all of the people in the world, the one that he most admired was evangelist Dawson Trotman. Trotman was the founder of the Navigators, a worldwide organization dedicated to training Christians to share their faith. Trotman died in 1956 trying to help two drowning girls. When Trotman died, says Wendell, he probably left a legacy of discipleship on this earth that will never be matched except perhaps by the, by the life of Jesus Christ himself. Swindle says he believes wholeheartedly in the methods of discipleship that Trotman taught and emulated throughout his life. Trotman died in Shroon Lake, New York. And he died of all things in the midst of an area that he was an expert in. He drowned. He was an expert swimmer. In the last few moments of his life, he, he, was, he was in the water, and he lifted one girl up out of the water, and then he went back down. He got the other girl, he lifted her up out of the water, and then he went under and was not found until a dragnet found him a few hours later. Time magazine read an, uh, ran an article on Trotman's life the next week. They put the caption beneath his picture that read, Always holding someone up. In one sentence, says Swindle, that was Trotman's life. Investing in people. Holding them up. Lifting them up. And according to the people who knew Dawson Trotman best, that was why he influenced so many people in Christian discipleship. It is because he lived out what he believed. Nothing fake. Nothing phony. He just tried his very best to follow Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus and a servant of humanity. And what more could be said of any of us? I hope we can say that at all of our funerals. That he was a follower of Jesus and a servant of humanity. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be be careful to do everything that they tell you to do, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. Trotman practiced what he preached. How about you? Are you giving your all to follow Jesus? 
Bill Hybels, senior pastor at Willow Creek Community Church, he said it best. He said, it's easy to give God 95% of our lives. But it's that last 5% that's the hardest. And a 95% commitment to Christ is 5% short. That's what's, what's keeping us from achieving God's dream for our lives. It's that critical 5%. Fake news? No. We've been talking about fake religion today. Pride of position was more important to the Pharisees than service to the people. Appearances were more important than authenticity. But Jesus was just the opposite from that. Jesus was more concerned with what was in the heart and not how things appear on the outside. So I want you to think about this, folks. The most effective witness that we can make to our faith in Jesus Christ is simply to live out what we say we believe. Be a follower, not a fan. Live what you believe. And that's when your faith will truly be authentic. Amen. Let's sing together. Number 231, breathe on me. And let us pray for the Spirit of Christ to breathe on us, to make us able, empowered, and emboldened to live out what we believe. Amen.
as you go from here. I pray that you may know God's power in practice. I pray that out of the glorious richness of God's resources, God will enable you to know the strength of the Spirit's inner fortification. I pray that Christ will actually live in your hearts by faith. And I pray that you, rooted and founded in love, will be able to grasp, along with all Christians, how wide and how long and how deep and how high the love of Christ is. And to know for yourselves that love that is so far beyond our understanding. Go from here with faith that is authentic enough to be seen. Not by what you wear, but by what you do. Go and live the life that God has called you to live. Amen.